Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Spotlight Series. I know it's been a, a full ass month since I've said this and I don't really know the intro for this, but this is the show where we choose a genre every month and then we pick some of the best, sometimes the worst movies in that genre to talk about. So we are in November, which means we're doing war movies. And <laughs> it's it's funny, um, Greg tossed out an idea, but then we were just Kind of working out what we wanted to do. Hey, I'll shut it down. No, we're going to do it soon because it looks really good, actually. I, For what? The All Quiet on the Western Front. Have you never seen that? No. It just came out. Oh, I thought you were talking about the original All Quiet on the Western Front. That's from like the 40s. No, they just released one like two days ago. Yeah, I haven't seen either. Oh, I did not know that they made a new one. I just yeah, knew about on the Netflix. old one from the 40s. Apparently well, I get, so Otis didn't give you the proper details what I'm hearing. I got a text from Otis that said, we're doing All's Quiet on the Western Front. My brain automatically went to the movie that I, is established and 70 years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that will be coming up soon. The new one, I, I guess. I don't know. Yes. Yes. The new one. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Greg said yes. So we're doing the new one. Okay. But until then, tonight we are reviewing Dunkirk, a.k.a. that movie with Harry Styles in it which is what I heard when it came out. They're like the Harry Styles movie, right? Yeah, that was acceptable in 2017 when this film came out. Now the movie with Harry Styles is that other one that oh, Olivia Wilde made. Don't worry, darling. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that weird one, the thriller. Yeah, yeah the weird ass one with Florence Pugh. Florence I, still, I still want to watch that, actually. Yeah. Try. Oh, I love me some Florence Pugh. Pugh. I like Chris Pine. He cool. I don't mind Harry Styles. He cool. <laughs> Olivia Wilde is wild to say the least. She has a son named Otis, so she is always a thumbs up in my book. There's more Otises in the world because of her. Well, unless she's besmirching the name. Mm-hmm. About that. Hopefully that child mm-hmm. <laughs> grows up good because <laughs> she's mm-hmm. she's kind of wild out here. But anyway, if you don't know anything <laughs> about Dunkirk, this is a actual real thing that happened in world war ii it was an evacuation like many war films it's based on true events i mean behind enemy lines isn't real but yes a lot of them are uh, real. it's probably loosely based on some real shit i can't see owen wilson running from gunfire being any type of real but i, I get what you're saying it's probably based on you telling me nobody in the war in the history of war ever ran from a firefight of yeah. course they did not as cool as owen wilson but yeah I'm not saying, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> you're being wild out here. Yeah. So the Dunkirk evacuation was codenamed Operation Dynamo. It's a sweet ass name or the miracle of Dunkirk. I love that they posted both of those things in the credits of this movie. Yeah. Fantastic. And so it was a, in military terms, it was a colossal failure, but going off of just, I don't know, the will of man. It was an awesome, awesome moment. And Winston Churchill, 16 days into his, I don't know, I want to say presidency, but just his power. He was prime minister. (laughs) Yes, don't say presidency, please. I I said 17 words after presidency, and y'all just heard presidency and stopped listening. I said presidency or like his power. Ministership. I got you. Ministership. And he actually said that this was, was an absolute failure, but you know and some people have said that if these soldiers weren't saved these like 300,000 allied soldiers the war would have may have changed a little bit and Christopher Nolan actually brought that up he was like yeah this was like I want to say either one eighth or one tenth of the British just forces all together in this one situation so if they weren't saved things might have been a little different because they said like the British would have backed out of this because they no one came to help them. And then the French, something would happen with them. America would have just backed out because they're like, well, that's y'all issue and well, just backed out of this. America wasn't in it to begin well, with. Well, they probably wouldn't even hopped in. So it well, was this weird ebb and flow of Well, they might have. Choices. America well, the, hopped the, in for a different Well, reason. yeah, depending on if someone messed with them. But if it was going smooth over in Europe, they might not have attacked America. I don't know. It's just like I said, it's such a weird situation. So what Christopher Nolan did with this movie is showed from land, the sea, and the air of Dunkirk. So on land, 
this is a, a story of one week in the life of soldiers waiting on a ride off of the beach. And in the sea is showing all of the volunteer boats and some actual just vessels trying to make it to Dunkirk. And in an air, it is one hour of time with three Spitfires on their way because I only had one hour of fuel, which is very scary, but just one hour to try to save the day. And I thought it was really cool. They, it's one of my seven words, but fuck it. And Christopher Nolan actually brings up that he gets really temporal with time and how scripts work in this movie. He says, it's very complicated <laughs> the way he said it. And he's like, you can really fuck up a movie doing this, but it's not shown in order. It'll show people nighttime doing something and then it'll go to the morning of that night and show other people's stories connecting to them. And there were multiple times I was like, wait, isn't that plane crashing? Why is it flying? Oh, uh, oh that was really okay. confusing with the with the flights. Yes. The boats and the beach stories, like those pretty those went pretty much hand in hand pretty well. Um, as far as like a linear timeline goes, but then they threw in the airplanes into the mix and the story happening with the between the fighter pilots, and it just kind of threw a wrench and you're like, wait, what's happening? <laughs> Katie, she said when you throw planes to the mix, <laughs> you're understanding drastic go down. Yeah, you have a 33 and one third percent chance of not giving a shit. <laughs> give it a shit. <laughs> the numbers don't lie, Christopher Nolan. So yeah. this movie, it don't make no sense. <laughs> this movie is chock full of English, young English actors. Uh, I don't think there's any. There's a few women in it, but not in big roles. There's no women in it that have more than like over here, Hi. like lines. <laughs> Get a, get a tea. Yeah, here's some tea. Here's a blanket. Like <laughs> that was it. Downstairs. But uh there's tons of famous kids in here. Uh Tom Glenn Carney, Greg would know him. He is King Aegon the second Targaryen in House of the Dragon. The young one or the I don't know. We don't watch House of the Dragon. Hold on. Like yeah, I was just saying you would know him. King Aegon the second. Uh he was he was on the boat. He was the son of the the cool dad. Oh my god, that is Aegon. Oh my god. Oh god. <laughs> it's slapping me across the face now in realization. Barry. Ooh, I'm gonna fuck your name up. Keegan. Ke- is it just Keegan? I would just say he, Keegan. He, I know he's Irish, so it's yeah. But Barry Keegan, he was in Eternals and uh ooh, he was in a couple other things. He's got a real evilish face. But James Darcy, hey, it's Jarvis. Well, all the cool things until what endgame? That was the last time we see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, do we see him in Endgame? Yeah, it was a flashback when they were grabbing all the PIM particles. Okay, I couldn't he, remember if they actually. I couldn't remember if they actually used real Jarvis or if they used Paul Bettany in that. No, it was real Jarvis for a second because okay. they used uh, the the good the good dad. Oh yeah, yeah, Dominic. The, the good Tony's dad. Uh, Dominic Cooper. Yeah, my we, favorite. We got Kenneth Branagh. Hey, it's that shitty wizard that was a teacher that one time in Harry Potter story. <laughs> But Kenneth Brown is a fucking beast, man. He like he's also a uh, Her- Hercule Poirot. Oh yeah, he's in the like Poirot really good. movies, we got Cillian Murphy. That that one, the Scarecrow. That one actor with the the sweet ass eyes. They always zoom in on. Yeah, from he's... Red Eye. <laughs> I haven't seen Red Eye in a hot minute. Oh, that was the first. Shit. That was the first thing I remember seeing Cillian Murphy in. Greg, did we go see Red Eye together? I don't know, dude. I. I think I saw that with somebody, and I was like, mm, "This is all right, I guess." But it's been a long time. I'd probably like it now. Freaking red eye, man! Oh, that takes me back. I saw a lot of movies with Greg, and then one of us would fall asleep. Sounds like usually you. me. We were in that kind of mood. Oh yeah, like uh, what's the Tom Hanks movie? Yes, um, Da Vinci Code. <laughs> Greg was so pumped for Da Vinci Code and fell asleep. <laughs> I had exams. Y'all were out of school. Y'all were in college. I was in high school. <laughs> It was real quiet sometimes. I, I understand why you went to sleep. <laughs> I was knocked out. No one's knocked falling out. asleep during this film. Yeah, it was really loud. It was loud as fuck. Uh, Tom Hardy. Hey, there's a lot of Batman-related people in this movie. There's a lot of superhero-related people in this movie. Michael Caine, he was uncredited, but he was the voice of one of the pilots, which I thought was awesome. I'd have him in any movie I was in. Yeah. 
yeah, tons of young, really cool English actors in this movie. It was it was pretty sweet. So this is Christopher Nolan's third film that he actually wrote and directed, like himself. Everything else is off based off some story. His brother writes a lot of his stories for him. I said that in a very condescending way. Oh, your brother writes your stories, but no, his brother helps him out and writes a lot of things for him. But yeah, this is like the third one. The one before this was Inception. He actually came up with that his sucking self. Yeah. Which makes me sad because Tenet isn't one that he wrote. I think it's a short story. And Tenet's and just off the trailers, it looks fucking confusing. So, oh, and I forgot Harry Styles is in this. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Watermelon Sugar himself. Also from the Eternals. Oh yeah. Damn, there's a lot of people in there. I'm so. telling you, all these people, like they're missing what, like Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> and Tom Holland and then just have all the British folks. <laughs> yeah, they cracked it out. So this is actually a real situation and they had veterans come to the premiere of it and they absolutely loved it and they actually said the music was louder than the explosions that, when, that they remember. The soundtrack was so jarring. Yeah, and it he, was he laughed much. about it, but I was like, stop scaring those old people. It's with, right, they're in their 90s. With How French dare horns you? and shit. How dare you? <laughs> Out here holding a chest. These men are veterans. (laughs) So, Katie, what did you think about Dunkirk? I really liked it. Like I said, the airplane thing was confusing, like the timing. And I wish it would have been explained a bit, I guess, in the beginning. Um, Because, like, with Inception, it's pretty easy to follow because they, they like, lay out the plan. Like, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to go in here, and then we're going to go here and here and here deeper and deeper and deeper into it and it you know you're at least following that it's like some wild ass journey uh but in this one you're like okay cool the soldiers on the beach i get it they're trying to find a way off the beach cool the people in the boats they're coming to help the soldiers on the beach awesome then there's these planes but i just watched that plane get shot down but now it's flying again what's happening (laughs) that part just it just got a little confusing but i still really liked it um yeah it was an interesting look at this specific moment in world war ii greg so i'm the type of person where if i'm watching some sort of historically based film that i can't resist the temptation to read up on it while i'm watching the film because i just have to know about it right then and there without waiting until the end and it's a good thing that I did just so I had an idea of what Christopher Nolan was doing as far as the whole one week, one day, one hour deal. And the fact that he had them all converge into, you know, meeting up at the, at the same time once the uh, plot comes to fruition. So I'm glad I did that because <laughs> the minute it, the minute the caption said one week, one day, one hour, I'm like, uh, I'm not going to be comfortable unless I look this up and make sure I know what's going on here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I definitely did that as the film was starting just to make sure I knew what was going on. So that was very helpful. Um, had I watched this in theaters, I might not have had the same experience because I would just, you know, unless I looked it up in the theater, I would have been a little bit confused. I do appreciate uh, as far as the the presentation of it, the lack of the lack of dialogue for the most part, at least it was very light on dialogue. With the benefit of knowing what Nolan was going for here in advance, or at least when the be- movie was just beginning and looking it up, I I enjoyed it. I took took me a minute to get into, but I really enjoyed just the fact that just when you think these people are going to catch some sort of break, oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like just, <laughs> and it's funny because the score does a great job of building both anxi- building the anxiety of the situation, but also giving you some sort of comfort and like, oh, okay, well, you know, things are getting. Oh wait, no, never mind. No, no, things are not. <laughs> the, the solution has not been reached, and there has not been resolution, and we are still going through this. Even once it gets closer, there, there's about twenty minutes left in the film, and you think there's they've you know you they're they're gonna make it all right we're good no not quite yet so i think it was a great package of storytelling married with the score to really build the intensity of just what was going on and overall i enjoyed it so usually when i check out films i usually you know look up the 
fun facts for it while I'm watching it. So I kind of get a better look at it. But with this one, I was watching it. I was at work. So I was like grooming dogs watching this on my phone. And then I got home, I like looked at it again. But it, I was confused a couple of times with the, the time jumps. But then it reminded me of another director, a director that said, this is probably one of the best films, full stop, Quentin Tarantino. He's all about jumping around, doing things out of order. But then he sets it in an order that kind of makes sense to what you're watching. Kind of. Uh, Kill Bill's the same way. At the end of the movie, the first one, she's fighting Oren, which was the first thing she did. And then she's fighting Vivica Fox at the beginning of the movie, which would have been towards the end of her journey. But he just sets things up a certain way. And I, I, I really like this movie. The time for it, which is weird. Usually, like war films, there's like a law that they have to be more than two hours long. And this one's like an hour and like 36 minutes. I think there's That's like it? 10 minutes of credits. It's a lot of credits to it. Well, yeah. The, yeah. Well, they think the credits are really cool. I don't know if you, either of you watched the whole credits, but the, he shouted out all of the boats that came out of retirement to be a part of this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Somebody like all of the military the vessels boats, yeah. that they brought out, like that was fucking cool. Did you shout out civilian boats too, by chance? Um, I didn't notice civilian boat names. I only noticed. I thought at least one of the or um, a few of the civilian boats were actually the legit boats from back. They in the probably day. were. I wouldn't be surprised if they were, but I only really recognize like military names, military boat names. Yeah, but it's it's a fun movie. I really liked it, and I've learned with some of these newer war films that I should give them a shot. It took me way too long to check out 1917, and that still watch that. Oh, oh you would God. love it. Greg. 1917 is so good. It's it's one full shot. They don't stop filming, dude. It's really cool looking, uh, but it, it's fucking awesome. And I was like, damn, I wish I saw this in the theater. I like, I would have lost my mind. But I got to see it at home on my couch, and I lost my mind anyway. So I guess <laughs> no real loss. I guess it made tons of money, so I don't care. But it's I'm I'm enjoying these new looks at war and man every time i watch a war film i just shake my head i'm like fuck man they, people's grandpas and great grandpas out out in these streets man they went through some shit so there's uh, always some sort of portion that you can cover as far as whether it be a battle or some sort of just one unique corner of the war or one particular situation that they need to get out of or win or what whatever might case might be just there's there's just so much out there that can still be covered. So, yeah. so I appreciate many... that we're still cranking out these newer war films. Yeah. So many skirmishes out there. Yeah, you're right. So we'll get through this story and I don't know what I'll, how I'll do it. I think I'll go kind of far. Well, the, the land chunk of the story is the biggest and well, not the coolest. The coolest one is the shortest story in this, but um, I'll, I'll just get through it and I'll try my best to get through it. Sometimes I will change people's names to what I remember them as. So just bear with me. There's a lot of there's a lot of fucking names. At some point, Ferrier is gonna turn into Bane because that's just that's just Tom Hardy. Or just call him Tom Hardy, honestly. Venom. I could say Venom, yeah. <laughs> so this is in 1940 during the Battle of France. And we meet up with some Allied soldiers, and they are retreating into Dunkirk. And so, and actually in real life. The French, they were the ones to hold out to keep the bad guys from actually getting to the beach. And they actually stayed. So when all the for real soldiers were like, deuce is Dunkirk, and they left, the French stayed. So a lot of you know soldiers in this movie rag on the French, but no, they were actually the ones that did not leave. So they're there fighting, and we get Tommy. Tommy's a private, a British private, and he is the sole survivor of a German ambush. My boy's trying to take a shit. And bullets just start whizzing everywhere. He grabs some paper. The first time I watched it, I didn't understand what he was doing because I just didn't see him like trying to stoop and poop. And I was like, dang, he's trying to take a dump and then bullets. And he starts running and his whole squad just gets just bullets into their backs. And he makes it over a wall and he's trying his best. And you can tell he's young and inexperienced because his like gun gets jammed, gets it unjammed. He takes two shots at this door 
and says, fuck it, and just drops his gun and runs off. He's like, I'm not, I'm not for the fighting. <laughs> just like in 1917, man, just two kids. It's just like, I'm not, I'm not a fighter. I, <laughs> I got dragged here. I just want to live. So he makes it to the beach and he sees thousands of troops there waiting evacuation. And they're all in a line being all nice and courteous and stuff in lines. Just <laughs> And he's trying to find a spot to take a dump. He re- <laughs> it's like his like mission in this movie. And as he finds a nice little hill, he's going to poop. He sees another soldier that's burying a body just off to the side. His name is Gibson, a very quiet soldier. He doesn't say much in this movie. And as they're walking, a dive bomber attack happens. And it's, it's funny. You see soldiers actually moving like hurt soldiers and dead people just setting them down. After this dive bomber attack and tons of people die, those people get right back up and go back to what they were doing. I'm just like, oh, man, it's so annoying. It's like you're walking down this street and this bird's just fucking with you, but you don't do nothing to the bird. You just keep walking. Because like, that's the easiest thing you can do is just walk, just keep walking. They're just like it, it's gonna suck for a couple of seconds, but just keep going. I'm just like, oh, that I war is so stupid. So well, it's their way out. Yeah, it just hey man, you might die on this beach or you'll get picked up. Hopefully, you get picked up. So after this, they look into each other's eyes and they're like, We need to do some dirty shit to get onto one of these boats and get out of here. So they pick up a hurt soldier that's still alive, take off their sweet ass coats man those coats look fucking awesome and they start conveying this guy to one of the boats because all the hurt people are getting on the hospital ship and they're trying their best to get on there and after a little bit of just kind of scooting around you know barriers and stuff they get onto the ship and they drop the guy off and they look at each other like fuck yeah we're getting out of here and then they just kind of stand because they don't know what they don't know where they're going or what they're doing and they get ordered off the ship and they're like god damn it you know it's like when you sneak far into some place like behind like a concert and you're like all right where do we go now i don't know and they're like hey what are you doing i'm like oh shit so as they're walking off the boat they go under the pier and they're gonna hang out down there and maybe hop onto the boat or i don't know what the game plan was i guess to sit somewhere safe and unfortunately the hospital ship gets sank by dive bombers and they get just absolutely destroyed and tommy saves alex another soldier oh watermelon sugar himself so with a single mole and i didn't understand what a mole was but it's a structure made of stone it's a pier that separates two bodies of water and so that's how i guess all the boats you can pick people up it's the easiest way because if you get too close to the beach and then you'll get the boat will get beached and you can't do anything yet the way till the tide comes back in so the royal navy they send out a message to civilian vessels close by in great britain that can get to the beach so in weymouth 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 i think it's weymouth uh a sailor his name is dawson with his son peter they set out on their boat the moonstone which is a sweet ass name for a boat rather than letting the navy commandeer it because they're like, this is my boat. And so actually the sun kind of scoots it forward. So George, they're like, I don't know, third in command, this little little kid, he hops on the boat with them because he wants, you know, he wants to save people. This I, I get it. When war times happen, you're like, I want to do what I can. I can't fight, but I can at least pick up people or try to save them in some way. So at this point, they are making their way to Dunkirk and they find this like shell-shocked soldier from a wrecked ship. Hey, it's Cillian Murphy. And when he realizes that the dad is going toward Dunkirk instead of going the other way, he's like, no, 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 man, that's death back that way. I got out and I'm like the only one that did get out. Turn this bitch around. I'm not going back there. And there was actually, in real life, there was actually a boat that was picking people up out of the water if the ships got destroyed. And unfortunately, the closest spot was back on Dunkirk. So he sent them back to another chance of them getting killed. And I was like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) So they actually get into a fight and he tries to get the control of the boat. And then George, the little boat hand, he like 
gets a head injury and he fucks himself up real good because he can't see anymore. I was like, he like pushes him. Cillian Murphy's trying to get control of the ship or of the boat. And he like knocks him down. But when he knocks him down, he falls down the stairs that lead down into the cabin of the boat. And when he falls, he hits his head. So he gets fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) So he's like, I can't see. I'm like, God damn. (laughs) So earlier in this movie we see them but the three spitfires they are tasked with defending the evacuation because and it's funny some of the soldiers are like where's the where's the fucking air force man they left us out here to die no they did not because further into dunkirk they were doing all the aerial fighting so the few ships that we do see or planes not ships the few planes we see are the ones that got past all of the fighting so that's why you don't see a ton of them it's maybe one or two at a time, but those are the ones that got to squeeze by. So, you know, it's all perspective. Soldiers see two planes blowing up a beach. They're like, sons of bitches. Like, where, where's the Air Force? I'm like, bro, we're dying like a couple miles away. You just can't see it. So I thought that was a really cool fun fact. I like looked it up and I was like, oh, they were actually were scrapping way over here. So three Spitfires, they are on their way to crossing the English Channel. And when Michael Caine, his ship goes down, Tom Hardy, he takes command. But his ship, the uh, fuel gauge is kind of busted. And he's hoping it's just the fuel gauge and not the fuel. But it seems all right. Old-timey planes back then sounded absolutely horrible as they were flying. Those bitches were just jiggling and it sounded like things were falling apart. But I get it. They were fighting. Those are fighter ships. And I suppose it sound beautiful. They just... It's just scary, man. Ugh. So they are heading toward the toward Dunkirk. And so the other Spitfire, they it gets hit, his buddy, and he ditches, which I didn't it's again, it's a technically a water landing where you shut off the the engine at the last second. I've seen a couple of movies do this type of landing, but I'm wondering what the justification of just using like just getting ejected from it. I don't think they had ejection back then, but getting out of the plane or just riding that bitch down to the water. I wonder what the justification, maybe if you're not going that fast, you can just do a water landing. Well, the problem with evacuating because they were already in fire, the problem with like, if he had opened his um, cockpit in the air and parachuted out which is what tom hardy suggested to him yeah there's a high chance he would have been shot by the nazis oh you're right assuming that the plane goes all the way down to the water you can assume that that person is dead that the pilot is dead which means that they're not going to take any more fire from the air so it's though the ocean is not safer necessarily it does at least relieve him of having to worry about german air fire coming at him while he's on like in the water okay that makes sense so his name is collins collins is good from what tom hardy can see looks like collins made a pretty solid landing as best you can do in water and he Mm -hmm. scoots off to finish the mission you know collins is like bro you don't got a lot of fuel he's like shut up i know and he continues his journey because somebody's gotta do it and thought that was really fucking cool 14 gallons left yeah i was like oh my god my car i was like ooh. <laughs> so collins he gets picked up by the moonstone and his cockpit does not open for a little bit and water is filling into the cockpit and he's like oh i don't want to die like this <laughs> yeah there's a it's a very traumatic scene where you think that he's going to die because his yeah. cockpit won't open yeah. so at this point collins is dealing with water like I said, this movie's all out of time. Other guys are dealing with water at this exact moment. So, like I said, it's hard for me to tie it in because this would be a fucking just hopscotching. But we get back to Tommy and his adventures of not wanting to be in a war. <laughs> so Tommy, Alex, and Gibson, they get picked up by a British destroyer. And so it's like the, I don't know, it's like the big brother to the little kids. And it's like, well, if he's around, we're good. And we can like follow that boat. And so they're on there, they get tea and they get like what toast and jam look like, yeah. which probably tastes like fucking magic after all the things they've been through. Probably tasted beautiful. It's funny, Alex 
asks Tommy, he's like, hey, what's your buddy doing? And he looks over at Gibson and Gibson's like kind of staying toward the like door. The door. And he's like, oh, he's looking for a way out just in case like a quick exit in, cl- in case this boat explodes. And he's like, oh, shit. He's it's like, it's a good point. Like, bro, let, let me get closer to the door. Yeah, he's like, bro, we've been through some shit. So, and little by little, Alex keeps questioning why Gibson is so quiet. He's like, man, he's pretty fucking quiet, isn't he? He's like, yeah, that's his thing, man. He's don't like talking. He's like, okay, okay, I guess. <laughs> been through some shit. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a destroyer gets hit by a torpedo. They were on their way out of the fight and then boom, back down. And so Gibson, he saves Tommy and Alex from drowning. And the three, they're forced to go back to Dunkirk. I'm like, oh my God. And you see Cillian Murphy, because it's nighttime, he's on a boat and he's like, oh, we don't have enough room. We're going to keep sallying forth. Like, keep your energy. We'll be back for you. You know, kind of sound like a dickhead because, you know, I don't know. Just, I guess when you're not wet and been through shit, you can kind of sound like a de- like an asshole. But bleh. so later, the three they joined some soldiers that were just kind of walking, and they were part of the Highlanders regiment. And they find a beached like boat, and it, what is it like uh, in this? It got beached, and so it's in this spot. And they're like, in a couple of hours, the water will fill back up, and then we can use this bitch and then maybe get the hell out of here and so they're like well we'll just wait it out unfortunately as they're hiding inside of it well the first time they hear someone walking and so they grab the guy and it's the person that that is his boat this dutchman's boat and while they're chilling down there bullet holes so german troops start shooting at the boat for target practice at first and then they're kind of waiting on sounds and then they realize like, hey, let's just shoot this boat so it can't fucking sail just in case. And the guys are just taking bullets. Well, one guy gets shot. At, I don't know if anybody else gets shot, but they're trying their best to stay quiet with bullets in their bodies. And unfortunately, the tide's coming in. And so the boat is filling up with water. And so that scene with Collins when he's in his plane and it's filling with water is at the same time when Tommy, Alex, and Gibson are dealing with a boat filling with water and also dealing with Alex bringing up the fact that, hey, that guy don't talk. He's a German spy. I'm like, damn, that was a fucking jump. But Gibson's- It's a safe assumption. Yeah, but Gibson's not talking. And he's like, Tommy's like, hey, man, he just he, he just don't like to talk, man. You know, that's his thing. And Tommy looks at Gibson and is like, bro, you really need to say something <laughs> right now because they're ready to kill you. And- I don't know the justification behind this. I don't know if one person can actually make a boat super lighter. I guess it'd be 180 pounds off of the boat. But they say, hey, we're going to sink down here unless somebody gets off the boat. You, German spy, you get off the boat now. And Tommy's like, he's not a fucking German spy. Bro, say something. And Gibson starts talking. He speaks French. And they figure out that he stole the identity of a dead British soldier. So at the beginning of the movie, when he's burying a guy, Tommy just assumed it was a friend of his. And he's like, damn, my buddy died. I'm going to bury him. Nah, he probably found a dead body, grabbed his clothes and be like, oh, cool. I'm just a British soldier. The the British are leaving right now. So let me hop on this goddamn boat with them. And then I'll figure out everything else when I get to safety and be like, oh, no, I'm French. I'm over here. What am I going to do? So like I said, just about every person we meet in this movie is not the typical soldier in a war movie that's like, I've killed 500 Nazis, you know, like uh, Hank Hill's dad, you know, he what killed 50 men. <laughs> I killed 50 men. Yeah. None, none of these people are like Cotton Hill. They just want to fucking go home. And so they're putting on dead people's clothes, acting like they're part of like the medic group they're like I, whatever i can do to get the fuck out of this fight so I, I i get it so unfortunately the group they have to abandon the boat because that's some bitch it, it's sailing right now but it's also sinking really really fast and gibson he gets caught up underwater and tommy tries to save him but gibson he drowns and i was like god damn it i was very sad about that i want it i want gibson to make it to the end and then start talking <laughs> so a nearby minesweeper is hit by a bomber and the Moonstone scoots over to pick up 
people in the water. So Tommy and Alex get get grabbed. Around this point, Peter, the son on the boat, he finds out that George is dead. So he hit his head stupid hard and probably swelling, honestly, and just he he died. So Cillian Murphy's like, hey, is that kid that I like pushed and like he cracked his head open? Is he going to be good? And Peter's like, yeah, yeah, he'll be fine. And Cillian Murphy's like, good. That's the one thing that'll keep me from absolutely losing my mind. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's why he lied to you, bud. So at this point, Tom Hardy, he is running on fumes to get to Dunkirk. And then he's gliding over the beach and there's a dive bomber about to just absolutely shit on everybody coming in to save the folks at Dunkirk. And Tom Hardy comes in and lights up the dive bomber and he, he does the job. He does what he was supposed to do. And everyone's cheering and he's like, I did it. I'm the best. Time to land this bad boy. Oh, no. That bitch just stalls on him and he is stupid high in the air. And so he just coasts through the air. And Kenneth Branagh, he's, uh, I want to say a captain. Yeah. He's a Navy, a cap- naval captain. Yeah. Commander. He's a commander. Commander Bolton. He sees the ship going by, plane going by, and he's like, hey, oh, oh no, because he sees the propeller not moving. And he's like, oh, that dude's in fucking trouble. <laughs> but he understands like everyone has a job to do. So he just kind of puts his head down for a second and goes on to what he was doing. So, yeah, people die. It's war. It makes me sad. So while this is happening, everybody, they get evacuated. Over 300,000 men were evacuated from Dunkirk. And Commander Bolton, he stays because he wants to make sure that the French get evacuated. And Jarvis, he's like, deuces. The whole time he's like, I'm ready to go, bro. So he scoots off. So back on sweet-ass land, Cillian Murphy, he sees George's body getting carried away. And he's sad. And Peter talks to a local reporter. And he publishes a story about George's role in everything. And he makes it seem like George was like the fucking, like, I don't know, Batman in this story, which is fine, you know? And he makes him out to be a hero. And he shows his father the next day, so. And Tommy and Alex, they make it on a train and they get a hero's welcome when they're getting back into land. And Tommy, he reads Winston Churchill's address about the miracle of deliverance in Dunkirk. So just like 1917, it's just a small bubble in a bigger picture. You know, it's World War II, but it's, we're going to talk about this one week. Honestly, this one day is what we technically see mm-hmm. in this story. We're talking about this one day. This one specific moment in this battle. Yes. And these are the people in this battle. So, Katie, who is your favorite character in Dunkirk? Oh, I had a lot. Uh, there are a lot of characters that I really liked in this movie, um, but I'll say my number one is probably Peter, uh, the blonde kid from the civilian boat. Um, that kid was just like smart beyond his years. <laughs> he handled the situation of evacuating or pulling up as many uh, dudes from the water very well, and even understanding that Cillian Murphy's character was dealing with severe PTSD like didn't lead on to the fact that he killed his friend he didn't overreact he was just very like nonchalant like yeah dude he'll be fine um and then he went on to honor his friend in a great way at the end and he did as much as he could for being a young civilian in the war and I'm sure you know a couple years down the line he probably joined up if not the just as soon as they got back he probably enlisted as well because yeah his brother had already served and all these different things had already happened so um i'm sure as soon as he was legal that guy probably joined up um but he was my favorite for sure greg his father mr dawson for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned um he was on my list too (laughs) I, i really appreciated his dedication or his sense of duty as a civilian when he, well, I guess you couldn't, you can't necessarily say doesn't have to do this, but at the same time, he doesn't have to do this. I mean, 
Is the government's requiring him to do it? I believe it seems like, but he's you know he still has to have the will to go through it. And not only does he, it's not like he does this begrudgingly or he tolerates this task. He is he's all in on it. Yeah, well, the government of, was requiring the use of his boat. Yep, not his actual like captaining it. Yeah, he didn't have to be the one that took it himself, but he had enough pride in himself and his you know. The fact that this was, you know, his own boat where he was going to see that task through himself. Yeah. And as you said about his son, the handling of the soldier who's clearly shell shocked and that soldier. And, and there was a moment where I thought he was going to go ahead and just for a brief second, I thought he was going to go ahead. And once that sh- that's that soldier said, and he's credited as the shivering soldier, I think. Yeah. He's like, no, we can't go back. We got to go. We need to you know, go home. And for a moment there, it seems he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you go downstairs and well, I think you're right. Let's go ahead and you just go downstairs and we'll take care of it. But sure enough, that's just a way to, you know, mediate, keep him calm. Well, while he goes about the business of doing what he sees through. And when that soldier comes back upstairs, he says, look, I have a duty and I'm going to see that it gets done. I really admire that because I can't necessarily say I would have been acted the same way in that same situation i'm kind of more in that survivalist mode where i'm like well how am i going to get out of this and how am i going to get home (laughs) so i really admire that especially considering i don't think i could have acted the same way in that position or at least as gung-ho about it as he was Uh, maybe gung-ho is not the best phrase but just absolutely laser focused on seeing the task through in all circumstances and it's incredible the knowledge that he had of everything given what his son was killed what they said three weeks into the war for listing something like that so three weeks son- or three months it was something like that a very a short, short period of time yeah, an extremely short period of time but he clearly not only followed his son's progress but he he did his homework so I just really admire his 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 dedication to this task and going above and beyond what was required of him just to do his part for 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 queen for queen and country. Well, for king and country at that time, but also what's the most insane thing to me I think about Mr. Dawson's character is that given the age of his sons and the age that he was, he probably also fought in World War 1. Like um, that shit's just wild to me to have that much dedication to your to your country to the world to any like any skirmish happening like to have dealt with not just world war one but now to deal with it again in world war two to have already lost a son and to just be like nope we're gonna see this through we're gonna take care of him we're gonna do everything that we can to fix like my mind is blown every time i think about Everyone who is was of that generation that like got sandwiched from the double wars, like just yeah. God, how shitty. <laughs> oh yeah. Elizabeth was not yet queen until a few years after that war. 1952. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So I went with Tom Hardy's character, Farrier or Ferrier. He was awesome. And it's funny, he hopefully he understood his awesomeness in that moment he just saw a dive bomber not a dive bomber but a yeah a dive bomber ready to just destroy people and he put in the work and then he was like damn i'm out of gas well that's you know i don't understand why he didn't parachute out maybe he was too high or too low i don't get it probably too low yeah so he was absolutely awesome that story and it was only an hour for him this whole movie is just an hour for tom hardy and i thought it was a really cool story like it was just three of them and he was doing his best he fought off a lot of ships to get there and then he's like well i'll just keep track of my gas but uh i'm getting pretty low (laughs) but he came in to save the day and i thought that was really awesome it's like damn there's there's an actual movie fuck where the the winning shot comes in at the last second and it's like this person had their own mission and they're doing all this shit off to the side and no one understood the struggle they went through, but they got there at the last second and it was like, there you go. And they're like, we won. And they just lay down. They're like, y'all don't know what I've been through. <laughs> I can't remember what movie it is, but I thought it was awesome. 
I didn't even say so Tom Hardy's character after the engine goes out he cruises and actually makes it into he's able to turn back around yeah German territory and the it lands I don't know how he lands it. They don't show that part. He lands on the beach. Oh, because the the he brings his his they show that the wheels part. come out. They were he manually pulls the wheels out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he lands, hooray! And then next thing we see is him standing there and German soldiers coming over the hill and his ship on fire. Well, he set that fire. shit on fire. Yeah. He set the plane on fire so the Germans couldn't get it. Yeah, and so he just he understood what he did and it was part of the job, but just his face he's like and now he's a prisoner of war yeah but his face is like i did what i was supposed to this is gonna suck this part's gonna suck but- give me that story christopher nolan now i want the story of tom hardy as a pow right after he fucking shot out <laughs> a bunch of germans yeah i'm curious dunkirk I'm so curious passion if- of the christ but for a soldier basically right i'm curious if they would have just killed him or they would just no. held him well- they probably would have held him for information oh He's like, bro, I, I was out of gas. That's the only reason y'all got me. I ain't got nothing for you. I was in the air. Yeah, man. I was up. There. I was at a family barbecue. Right. Yeah. I was flying by and then my shit went down. I don't know why. <laughs> so, Katie, who is your least favorite character in Dunkirk? The Unseen Germans. <laughs> oh, cop out. I'm going to choose Nazis every time. When Nazis are an option, I'm going to choose the Nazis. They are trash. Yes, they are. From the 40s and from now, Nazis are trash. <laughs> uh okay but if that's a cop out then i'm gonna say cillian murphy that's Ooh. my least favorite and not because i think cillian murphy did a bad job because he did his part he was excellent but of everyone in this film who were all working towards a common goal cillian murphy was the only one actively fighting against it because of his ptsd and the fact that he was shell-shocked and even when it came time like after they pick up, um, oh my gosh, what's his, Collins. After they pick up Collins, they're picking up other people uh, out of this like oil slick and everyone like Collins is helping and the boy, uh, Peter is helping and the dad is like steering the boat and trying to direct soldiers where to go. And the, as they pull soldiers out, they're helping pull more soldiers on. And Silly Murphy's still sitting there in the corner, shivering under his blanket, just like, I can't handle this. I'm freaked out. And it's just like, bro, like, I get it. You're fucked up. But like, <laughs> so is everyone else. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I can't be mad at him. But of all the characters, he was my least favorite just because of his inability to help, I guess. Greg. It's funny because I'm sitting here listening to you say these things it's like, man, that's fucked up and insensitive, but at the exact same time, that is also my least favorite character. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's insensitive for sure of the like the PTSD crowd. But in this specific instance, nobody else in the movie upset me as much as his lack of action. That's, that's, that's exactly what I want to say, except for the fact that nothing upset me more except for him killing that boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like. Like just answer that to, in place of what you said as far as the inaction. That's exactly what it is. Like I understand he's shell shocked. I understand he has instantaneous PTSD, and he just absolutely does not want to go back there. Well, you know, you just just you you sit underneath so you don't have to see that stuff. The, the, you killed the boy, so I can't get over that. I just can't. Yeah, I understand what you're going through, but I and it, it credit even more credit to uh, Peter, right? To Peter. For the way he handled that situation because at first he said yeah he's, he's he's no he's not doing okay but once once he was dead said no he'll be fine like, i just i couldn't have been the bigger person like that i just could not have me there neither was, i've been petty as fuck the rage and resentment i would have felt you know what you go ahead and spiral because you killed this guy because you know what that's the least you deserve yeah i just i couldn't yeah it it was what it made me even angrier than the fact that Harry Styles watermelon sugar highs in this film and the fact that his character was trying to uh sacrifice old Gibson. <laughs> so it it sucks because Cillian Murphy, it this movie shows all the levels of fighters. It actually shows less of the ones that are super gung-ho about the fighting. This is all the people that are like. I'm tired, bro. <laughs> get me home. Well, and then we get the tired ones, and then we get the ones like I'm. I will fucking kill to get out of here if I have to. So we get different levels of it. 
even though I understand Alex's side of all of this, you know, it just, he was my least favorite. The whole like, hey, you don't talk. Yeah, you're a German spy. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Maybe you just don't want to fucking talk, you know? Uh, it was a fair assumption, though. But like I said. Like, it, I, it was. It was. When he brought that up, I said, huh, maybe he is. <laughs> I was thinking it before, like, t- 10 minutes, 15 minutes before he even said it. I'm like, why is he not said a single word? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was upset that he hadn't spoken at all. And I'm like, something is up with this dude. That'd be Katie in the boat. Hey, he ain't talking over there. <laughs> Get him. Sure Ro- would. Roast his onion. <laughs> I, well, no, I wouldn't be mean about it, but. Yeah, let's roast his onion. But. So it, I for sure noticed something's up. Yeah, but the situation in Struggle, when Struggle happens, and we've seen it in tons of horror movies and thrillers and all types of movies, when one person tosses out an idea, when everyone's scared or tired, it becomes the best idea in the world. We see this in the world right now, man. When people are struggling and one dumbass line comes out, they're like, hey, hey, uh, all babies are vampires. They're like, you're right. You're right, president. That yeah. does sound reasonable. Like, is it reasonable? It terror breeds chaos. And so all it took was Alex saying that he could actually be a German spy. And people were like, yep, that 100%. For sure, that guy's a German yeah, spy. Like, get out how of the did boat. I not notice before? Yeah, get out of the sinking boat so the boat won't sink anymore. I'm like, yeah, bitch. This is not how buoyancy works. It's going down. <laughs> it's going to go down no matter what. <laughs> and then Tommy, Tommy's like, this is wrong. And like, I will not accept that this is the right thing to do. I hope you know that. And he's like, well, f- well fuck it. You'll be next. And I'm like, oh, see, now they're just yeah. picking people to go in a the line. They're like, and then Alex says, well, you're not part of our group, so whatever like i'll kill you off even though we're on the same side you're not you're not you're not one of my boys which i do understand that because if me and greg were in some battle and some just rando joe comes up he's like hey man help me like nah i'm just here for greg (laughs) as long as greg is alive i'm good so i don't know you so you need to get back a couple of steps sir (laughs) i do understand that but to an extent i guess but just alex said the right things at the wrong time and got people well they all got out i guess well they killed the german spy i guess yeah well he was french yeah not really a spy i mean in their <laughs> eyes in their eyes they, they they killed the german spy yeah he's just a french ally yeah <laughs> trying to get the fuck out of the horrible shit show that is the war and even then when they when he started speaking french in front of them they weren't like oh my bad dude i'm sorry handshake they're like no nah, you fucking frog get out of here and like so they were still acting shitty to him so it didn't even help that he wasn't a German spy. He's like, oh, you're just a French piece of shit. Get out of here. Well, they this is a weird, not a weird part of the war, I guess, but an earlier part of the war where the, I don't know, they were allies, but not everyone was as uh, friendly, well, I guess. It, it's, as not, they, it's not what movies show us, because if you watch the right war movie, it just seemed like everyone high-fived and shot the Nazis together as friends. But that's not really the case. It's still like you're it, on my side, but it kind I guess you're of cool. is. Yeah, it's weird. It's yeah, it's interesting. It's you're, weird. You're cool, I guess. Stay over there. <laughs> we'll we'll never well, meet and talk. Well, but. in this specific instance, even though he was French, they saw him as a deserter because the French were supposed to be holding down the line within the city of Dunkirk, not at the beach. Yeah, he's and a he huge had run over. from the city. He had run from the front lines basically to evacuate with the British. Yeah, I will say. Gibson did some dirty stuff. I ain't gonna lie. But I'm trying to get shot. But like I said, if me and Greg were at fucking Dunkirk, my Greg put put this jacket on, man. We get yeah, uh Tommy and Gibson, the, the way they were trying to get on that boat originally, you know, hiding under the dock or whatever, like or the pier. That I was sitting there watching, like, yeah, me and Otis would have been like, How are we gonna get on this boat? Absolutely. <laughs> How are we gonna get on this boat? Because we gotta go. I'm out. The exact same things they did. Yeah, I'm out. I'm going to be a fucking grandpa telling this story later, laughing. Like, we got to get out of here, bro. <laughs> we got to get the fuck out of here. Woo! I mean, it, them it, pretending it, to be, you know, them tend to be medics taking that body on that stretcher. That's right up my alley right there. Right. I can picture me old as hell in a rocking chair talking to my kids. Man, uh, your Uncle Greg, me and him, we faked like we were fucking medics. Got the fuck out of that war. <laughs> laughing about it. To my ass home. <laughs> Woo, fuck Nazis. <laughs> so let's do seven word synopsis. Only have one. Temporal and wiggly 
like a Tarantino film. So I brought this up. I, I spoiled mine, but this one's all out of order. But it, it actually came into a pretty solid order when the action in one story was ramping up they would switch and then it ramped up in the other ones and so it was the same ebb and flow of a movie going the right direction but it was just like oh collins is worried about water right now well tommy and alex and gibson are worried about water right now so i thought that was a really cool situation katie last seconds were a major editing fail now the very very end of this movie we're talking everyone is back on the train we're home from whatever uh he's you know he's put up the thing in the newspaper honoring the kid that died and tom hardy has just you know he torched his plane and he's about to be taken as a prisoner of war okay the music climaxes at this moment when tom hardy is about to be taken as a prisoner of war and then the whole screen goes black turns back on we see the kid like on the train for a second and then it goes black again credits it sure fucking did that was a fucking editing fail there was no music to him being on the train there like the movie should have ended with tom hardy being taken as a prisoner of war end like the the music built up perfectly and ended exactly when the germans rolled in and just like here's one random extra second of this kid on a train like for fucking what that is weird yeah just horrible editing fail and then my last one lockhart venom jarvis scarecrow show evacuation variations (laughs) oh he was scarecrow (laughs) Yep. I forgot he was Scarecrow. Yep. 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 <laughs> Spraying people right in their face, too. Yeah. The only one I didn't have is Alfred, but it was just his voice. He wasn't yeah. actually in the film. <laughs> it counts. Yeah. Alfred down quick. <laughs> but it, I, there was too many words. I couldn't add an, I couldn't add in Alfred. <laughs> yeah. All right, Greg. Uh, I got two. This first one I'm not all that proud of. I just made up just now. Good old Hans Zimmer's score of intensity. Yeah. but it seems like they get particularly intense when he's working alongside christopher nolan they're like best friends they gotta be man yep so he saves his most intense stuff for his 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 films uh when it's not about victory but survival Ooh, yeah (laughs) that's a lot of things in the war like i said when you're not up front winning the day it's all the people in the back like bro i just want to make it till tomorrow which reminds me, I particularly liked when they returned and that blind man is, you know, good work, good job, good job. Like, and the one guy goes, well, we didn't win anything. We survived. Like, that's that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> you tried, man. Everybody gets a gold star. Hey, you made it back. Gold star. Yep. <laughs> I'll take that gold star. I'll go to bed with that gold star. Hell yeah. All the soldiers that made it off of Dunkirk got, like, three days of sleep and eating and then they got sent right back out oh, to fight sure. like right yep they were not done <laughs> not sure. at all it was only 1940 they still had another five years of fucking right. fighting left i'm so glad you made it off that beach with your ass back in there oh <laughs> yeah here's another gun here's some new maybe not new here's some cleaner clothes oh yeah ish we dunked it in water we took the oil off Do you in normandy Yep, yeah. exactly that. <laughs> oh my god. Could you fucking imagine? On another I'm sure, boat just I'm sure there were people who were went to both. Oh my both. goodness. I would like to know if there's someone that was at both. That's the most unlucky person in the world. Dunkirk god. Just, oh. Dunkirk part two. Fucking Normandy. Oh god. <laughs> Tommy and Alex are just like fuck. <laughs> and it goes to Gibson. He's there too. So it's funny, Greg brought up the music with Hans Zimmer. So Hans Zimmer used a ticking from a pocket watch that was Christopher Nolan's. So in this, in just about every song, there's some type of just like cadence to it. And he warped the sound of the ticking and all this stuff. But there were tons of songs. I can't remember what scene it was, but there was legit just ticking in it. And I was like, what the fuck is that sound, you know? And I was like, oh, Hans Zimmer's, you know using that to 
convey just danger. It's like, hey, they're going to die. I'm showing you the second sport. I'm like, oh, okay. And every time Tom Hardy's flying, it's like every second he is getting closer to crashing. I'm like, oh, okay, Hans Zimmer. I like it. I like it a lot. But yeah, no, Hans Zimmer, man, if you're asleeping in the movie, you're going to get scared awake real good. <laughs> Scary ass music. Right. So this film came out July 21st, 2017. So what do you guys think the budget for Dunkirk was, Katie? I said $100 million. $100 million. Greg? We talked about this. I already saw it. Oh, yeah. Gregory sell it. So the budget was in a bubble of 100 to $150 million. Makes sense. They're out on a beach. And they actually lost. They didn't lose all of the scenes inside of the planes with Tom Hardy when Collins crashed. They had a camera in there with him, and mm-hmm. I met some fancy ass hundreds of thousand dollars kind of camera. And the plane sank too fast for them to get it out. And so <laughs> it was in some type of container. And they're like, oh, it'll be fine for a little bit. We, we need to get down there and get it real quick. The film was completely flooded with water. One of Idiots. the one of the film people that knew was like, hey, if we keep the film wet and get to where we need to. And then just work with it before it dries out. We can make this film work. And they're like, oh. And so they just kept it in water. And then they ran off to LA with this film. And so that film was actually used in the movie. So it's like, shit, we got to be quick about this. We got to scuttle off. But no, it's it's fun. So yeah, Christopher Nolan's known for using tons of cool cameras. This is Another movie, part of that 70 millimeter club, just like The Hateful Eight. And, ooh, there's another one. I think there's a jesus film that they used 70 millimeter for. But, yeah, this film, they, they put money in on it. And it makes sense. It looks absolutely beautiful. It's like Saving Private Ryan. They put so much energy into how it looks that it just you can't help but say it's, it's awesome. So. so, Katie, what do you think the box office was? 500 million. Damn, not that bad. 527 million dollars. Nice. So this film, it got what eight eight nominations at the 90th Academy Awards. That was in 2018. Yeah, it'd be 18 because it came out in 17. Uh, and it won best sound editing, best sound mixing. That should just be one thing, but I guess, and best film yeah. editing which is kind of weird because this movie was everywhere. So I guess they were like, it's so different. So you win. But Quentin Tarantino should win every year because <laughs> all his movies are out of order. But yeah, I guess they were hoping that they would get Best Picture. I don't know what won at the 90th Academy Awards, but so 2017 movies. Ooh. I don't know. I'll look real quick. I'll edit this out. Yeah, I, let's look that up real quick. Yeah, I got to know what one. Oh, so best picture that year was The Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. That makes absolute fucking sense. And he won best director. So Christopher Nolan was like second place <laughs> in a lot of these. But so The uh, Shape of Water beat Get Out for best director, which is sad. And oh, Gary Oldman, he did Winston Churchill that year. Uh, Darkest Hour. So yeah, they were fighting a lot of big movies it makes sense yeah and it wouldn't be a original screenplay yeah hey coco won that year good for it yes it did i'm sorry i'm just reading through this i'll edit this stuff <laughs> best original song remember me by coco yeah there weren't any other really good ones uh this is me oh it's that it's from that movie greg don't like what movie do i not like greatest showman greatest showman oh god see <laughs> Okay, but no, The Shape of Water, it makes sense. But if it was going to win, it had to fight a lot of really good movies to get past it. But like I said, it's a solid-ass movie. I really like it. So does anybody have anything else to say about Dunkirk before we get out of here? It was really good. Do a little light reading, then watch it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, for its length, it's fun. You can sit down and just watch this real quick. Like I said, it's not like the average war movie where it's like two hours, two and a half. And you're like, fuck, man. You know, <laughs> but no, I really like this movie. And Greg needs to watch 1917. He would absolutely adore that movie. It's really do. fucking great, man. Like I said, I'm not even that big on war movies because they're just so depressing. 
but that's a good ass movie. So with that, that is the end of this episode. So if you have any other cool fun facts about war movies or military stuff, you can tweet us at Allentown We have an email at it. Allentown presents at gmail.com. We have a Facebook at Allentown presents. I didn't have a joke for that because <laughs> it's war movies. I didn't know what the joke was. No, there's about. no joke. So Oh, we don't have music for this. I'm sorry. I did. We did 30, <laughs> 31 scary movies. So we're back into the swing of not doing that every day. Oh, so this is just the first movie of war films. Uh, I need to look at the list. Katie has a list. She, this is her jam. So we'll, we'll check it out. Greg has one pick. So uh, we're going to get through this. And then when we get out of this month, we're getting into Christmas films and there's some good ones out there. Like like one with Santa Claus. Yeah, Santa Claus fighting terrorists. That sounds like a movie I would make. (laughs) I'm so excited for Violet Night. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Yeah, and then we're gonna watch another Santa Claus movie where Santa Claus is Goldberg. He's spearing people and killing people. Oh God, have mercy on me. (laughs) Yeah. So there's some there's some good ones out there. Obviously, there's gonna be some loved ones and stuff like that. So, Um, but thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another war film. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Best believe I'm going to find my way on that, bro. I ain't playing him. Mm-hmm. Right? He, he's sick. We, I, I got to get him out. I found a wig. My baby. My baby's sick. <laughs> Ma'am, why are you in this war right now? I don't know. How did you, how did you even get him? <laughs> Women and children first, I heard, right? Wrong right? <laughs>